this morning comes from the book of James. James chapter 1, we'll read the first 16 verses. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So far, the reading of God's word, especially verse 2 and verse 12. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Then verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus Christ, is writing to Jews of the dispersion. He is concerned because as the Jews were spread out from Jerusalem into various other cities, they were tempted to live like those that were in those different cities. And so what the book of James is all about is practical Christianity. That is, he sets forth what is a genuine faith over against a counterfeit faith. A genuine faith 
endures trials. It resists temptations. It looks up to the God of our salvation to give grace to us to conduct ourselves as children of God. What wonderful gifts we have through God's grace. As we read in our passage, there is the joy. Count it all joy when you endure various trials. Why is there joy? Because it Patience is given to us. And when we see our sins, we know that we have to look away from ourselves to the God of our salvation. We are filled with humility. And in our Texas morning, endurance. And as you look at those couple verses, I'm thinking of verse 2 and especially verse 12, I want to to notice the translation in our King James Bible uses temptations there. The very same Greek word can be translated trial or temptation. And there in verse 2 and again in verse 12, the better reading would be, my brother, and count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Again, verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth trials, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So the same word is translated there, Trials or temptations. And in this chapter, in the pericope that we have read, that same Greek word then is in verse 13, where in, in indeed it is translated correctly, tempted. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So in verse Two, when you fall into diverse trials. Why must it be trials there and not temptations? Well, there's no joy when you fall in a temptation. Rather, there is sadness. Sadness that when that temptation bombarded you, instead of looking up, you relied upon yourself or you gave in to the temptation. But, The Holy Spirit uses that same Greek term for trials and temptations with good use because there is a correlation, there is a connection between trials and temptations, aren't there? And there's a great difference. What is some of these differences? You know, and that's why it's really an odd exhortation that we start with here My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. The man of the world would not count it joy when he is tried. In fact, he would be, he would hate it. What a difference between trials and temptations. What's the difference? The author. 
For very clearly in verse 13, God is not the author of temptations, but rather it's Satan. But the author of our trials is God. And the purpose of trials and the purpose of temptations are far different, aren't they? Satan tempts you and me in order to cause us to fall into sin. But God's purpose in trying us is always to bring out the good or even to perfect us, to make us stronger in our faith. God strengthens that faith. How beautifully Peter knows that, doesn't he? We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. God tries his saints because he loves them. Because in our earthly sojourn here, he is working in us, he is shaping us, he is preparing us for glory. So the result is different, isn't it, between a trial and a temptation. If one falls into temptation... He has committed sin, and he has to confess that sin to God. But if one endures trials, verse 12, he emerges stronger with a strengthened trust in God. Let me use, for example, boys and girls, the apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you will remember that the apostle Paul speaks about this born in the flesh that was given to him, and it had a good purpose in it, lest he be too elated because he had that vision of God taken up into the third heaven. He was given a thorn in the flesh. What a trial that was. Three different times in his life he prays earnestly that the Lord will take away that thorn in his flesh, whatever that was. And God heard his prayer, but he didn't answer it exactly the way Paul wanted, did he? The Lord says, no, I'm not going to take away that. The apostle Paul probably thought, I can do a lot more for the Lord if I'm not struck with this thorn in my flesh. But the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. And then what is the response of the apostle Paul? He says, oh boy, no. He says, then I will rejoice in my weakness. For when I am weak, then am I made strong. Strong in faith. What wonderful things God does in our lives to shape us, to strengthen us in our faith, to perfect us. But... Those very trials can also be, for you and me, a temptation, can't it? Because when God sends an illness to us, it's not only a trial, but can also be a temptation. So that we question God's ways. Why, Lord, like 
Job did when he was tried. Or it's a temptation to criticize God as Job's wife cursed God and died. What a temptation to find fault with our God. Instead, it's our calling, isn't it, to humble ourselves behind, underneath the mighty hand of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. And Peter knew that wasn't, didn't he? He was sorely tried by God, even when he was boasting. Even if all the others will leave you, I will never forsake you. And then Jesus is taken, and Peter before a little maid. Rather than standing strong, he was too self-confident. He denied Christ three times. And so Peter is able to write in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So trials can become temptations to us. And likewise, temptations can also be a trial to us. What a trial it is. Are we going to take that temptation that bombards us and resist it with all that we are? And when we overcome that temptation, we are made, again, stronger in our faith. And all the glory, all the glory goes to God, isn't it? Because it is God who gives us that grace to resist that temptation. So although trials and temptations are vastly different, they are also closely related. And so verse 2 and verse 12 is now talking about that kind of trials of our faith and you'll notice there then in James chapter 1 that when you fall into diverse trials boys and girls what does that word mean divers it doesn't mean a person that dives into the water and swims underneath the water but it's talking about various different kinds of trials what kind of trials is James talking about well first of all persecution the Jews in Jerusalem were persecuted by the non-believing Jews. Persecuted so strongly that many of them run away from Jerusalem and they settle in various different parts of Asia Minor. Well, were those believing Jews welcome in their cities? And the answer is no. By the unbelieving Jews, they were hated in Antioch. They're kind of called the Christ followers, Christians. And yet God's children took that as a badge, a beautiful name. Yes, yes, we are Christ followers. Yes, yes, we are called to take up the cross of Jesus Christ also. The trials that God sends into our lives are various, aren't they? Of many different kinds so that we have brothers and sisters in many nations today who are severely persecuted, either in Muslim nations or Hindu, Buddhist nations, communist nations, Christians who for possessing a Bible are put into prison 
or for witnessing to a neighbor can not only be put in prison, but also put to death. What trials come to us? I think I have a daughter with diabetes, very hard, a gravity kind of diabetes, or another one with MS, or as you heard this morning, now Mr. Newhoff with strokes, three of them in a row, or maybe others of you dealing with cancer. Or a loved one, maybe a child taken away from you in their youth. Many different trials of different kinds. Sickness, sorrow, death, suffering, pain, disappointment, problems in your life, problems in your family, poverty. Many different kinds of trials And they are varied, they are different kinds, because different things are needed for different individuals with different characteristics. And so there are some trials that are very severe, lifelong, while others might be very short in duration. Count it all joy. When you fall into these many different kinds of trials. For you and I, it might be cross-bearing. That is, being hated for what you stand for, for your faith. Maybe at work. Maybe with your broader family. Because you're Protestant Reformed, they don't like you. Self-denial, infirmities of old age. The psalmist confesses in Psalm 34, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You see, the righteous suffer these afflictions because they stand for God and his Christ. They love him. Psalm 73 Asaph, the psalmist, looks around. And he notices there that the wicked have a much easier life than what he does. In fact, he almost loses his faith. Why do the wicked prosper in, I suffer for my faith. I I did it almost for nothing, he says, until I went into the temple and I saw their end. Yes, It's God. God gives us these trials in our life because they are his means in order to sanctify us, to shape us, to strengthen us in our faith. And so James, in our text, in verse 2, says, count it all joy when you fall into those different trials. How in the world is it possible to be filled with joy when your whole life is altered by diabetes or MS or cancer? That must have been the question in the minds of the readers who read James' epistle. Count it all joy? But yes. Not that we look for troubles, and affliction. Notice 
in the text, we fall into those trials. We don't seek them, but they come to us unbidden. In fact, it is God who sends them. They come unexpected at times. They come from the hand of God himself. And therefore, he says, how shall we deal with these afflictions and these trials in our life? And the apostle says by the Holy Spirit, count it all joy. Oh, how often it is for us to be tempted to be filled with self-pity. Somehow try to drown out the sorrows and troubles of this life in the mad pursuit of pleasure. Escape, maybe, by alcohol or by drugs. Or complain about our trials. And how awful to be caught up in self-pity. James says here, consider your trials a reason for all joy. Not bitterness, not sorrow, but pure and unadulterated joy. He says, count it all joy. Because God works all things together for good good to them that love him who are called according to his purpose. Doesn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are they that are persecuted. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Boys and girls, do you remember the story from catechism or school? Paul and Silas. What did they do? They cast a demon out of a poor damsel that was following them day after day. And what do they get for it? Do you remember how they were thrown into prison after many, many stripes, serious stripes, and then chained to the wall? Did they cry out in pain? Did they cry out in sorrow and they say, this isn't fair, we did something good, and now look what, what they did? No, go to your Bibles, boys and girls. We find them singing in the night. Singing that they are counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' sake. Count it all joy. Joy is the opposite of sorrow, isn't it? Instead of being worried, instead of being anxious rather than self-pity, joy. Showing itself in happiness. Paul and Silas singing there in jail after having been beaten with, the Bible says, many stripes. And that's possible, beloved, only by holding on to the truths of Scripture. That affliction is for my profit that our trials put us closer in communion to our Christ, that we are able to suffer with him. Romans 8, verse 17, if we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified with him in heaven. Think a moment, boys and girls, of Stephen. Because of his bold witness of Christ Jesus, he is taken out to be stoned to death. And even as the stones are falling upon him, 
rather than being angry with those who are stoning him, he prays that God will forgive them. And he has a vision. He has a vision of Christ standing up in heaven, ready to take his servant home with him. Joy. A joy possible, very difficult at times for us, but possible only by God's grace in our hearts. Ephesians 5, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All things, including the trials that he sends in our life. Trials. Boys and girls, again, I want you to go to the beginning of history. God made a beautiful paradise and put Adam and Eve in paradise as his friends. And now Adam and Eve have to show that they love the Lord in all things. So there is the tree of life on the one hand, but there's also that tree of the knowledge of good and evil of which God says, thou shalt not eat thereof, for the day thou eatest thereof thou wilt surely die. A test. Adam and Eve, do you love God, your maker? Do you love him and will you obey him? And will you show that by saying no then to sin, no to that other tree that God put there? And while that was a test, a trial of God, we also know it was a temptation, wasn't it? Satan came, thou wilt not surely die. But you'll become like God. And all of a sudden, Eve says, be like God. Be like God. And she looked at that fruit, and it was pleasant to the sight. And she wanted it. And she took of it. Verse 13, we see again the difference between a trial and a temptation. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did, really? When God came there in the evening, he found them. They're hiding. What did you do? How did you know that you were naked? Adam says, it's that woman that you gave me. He really is blaming God. And Eve says, it's that serpent that you created and was in the garden. They did not pass the test, but they fell into great sin. And what a gospel. God came to them, and Satan probably was astounded. Is God going to allow these wicked people now to live? Didn't he cast Satan and one-third of the angels out of heaven because of their sin, rebellion? But instead, God comes with a promise. That while Satan will always be at our heels to hurt us, the seed of the woman is going to crush his head. Trials and temptations. God using it for our good, for our salvation. 
And so now in verse 12, we read, Blessed is the man that endureth these trials. For when he is tried, tried by God, he'll receive the crown of life. What does it mean to endure trials? Well, the very word has the idea there of carrying a very heavy load on your back. Boys and girls, when I went to school, I would always have my arms full of books or I would put them in the backpack on my back. And yes, you should do it with both straps, not just one. That can be bad for your health. But you're carrying those he that heavy load around with you day after day after day. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and me. Blessed is the man that carries those burdens, those trials that God has placed upon them, not reacting, not, not being angry at God, but carry those burdens on your back, remaining steadfast in your faith, being unmoved by the temptation to take those trials and throw them off your back. Or to drink or use al alcohol or drugs in order to lessen the pain of that trial. Endure. That means be firm and be calm in your trust of God. It means wait on the Lord. Wait for his deliverance of these trials even though you cry out for relief, sometimes he sends relief speedily and sometimes he doesn't, like the Apostle Paul with that thorn in the flesh. Blessed is the man that endures these trials. Why? Well, in the first couple of verses, verse 2 and verse 3, it works patience. You see, the Lord doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what is best for us. And so we have here in, the, in our text, what is genuine faith over against counterfeit faith? Genuine faith is to endure that trial. And genuine faith is to resist the temptation to be angry with God or to fall into sin but rather to recognize God is perfecting us. Is your faith a genuine faith or is it a counterfeit faith? In the Philippines, the highest denomination of money is what is equivalent to our $20 bill. You can imagine all of a sudden when we had to buy a vehicle, it was about $12,500. You've got this stack of paper there that they have to count three times, and they put it underneath the light to make sure it's not counterfeit because in China they make a lot of counterfeit dollars over there and even for America. Is your faith the real thing, or is it just hypocrisy. You're going through the motions of trusting God or loving God or serving him. 
In the time that James writes this, most of the currency was either gold or silver. But there were unscrupulous people that would put less gold in it and would fill it with other things. And so you would test the coins by biting on gold because it didn't. Then it's the real thing. Aren't you thankful we don't have to test our coins that everyone holds in their hand and put it in your mouth to test it? God is using these tests to show you and me these trials whether our faith is genuine, that is in those trials, rather than trying to rely upon ourselves, we look away from ourselves to our God to give us the grace that is all sufficient to endure. Not be crushed. Not to cry out that God is unkind with us. Not being a stoic and saying, well, I can't do anything about it anyhow. But feeling these trials, our own weakness, we look away to the God of our salvation in Christ Jesus. How do I react with my skin condition? How do you React, and how do you conduct yourself when God sends a severe affliction or trial in your life? Bitterness, self-pity, anger at God even? Or are you humbled? Because notice what the passage says here, blessed. The word means happy is the man that endureth these trials. And then the reason is given. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. What is that crown of life? It's not a kingly crown. Christ wears that crown, doesn't he? but rather it is like the Olympic games that were being played in those areas, so these Christians are aware of it. A laurel, leaves are put around them. You have gained the victory. You have run the race, and you were ahead of everyone else. A crown is promised to those who love God. And the only way then that we can submit to God who sends those trials is to love him for it, to know that he loves us, and he seeks your and my good. You and I are given hope, even in dire consequences that come to our life. Notice what the apostle writes here to his fellow Christians. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't cave in in those trials and become angry with God or say, who needs God if he's going to do this to us? That's exactly what happened to Asaph, didn't it? He was pretty angry. He said, I serve God for naught. Until he went into the temple, until he saw the end of the wicked, and over against the end of the wicked, which is like a pig that falls into its death. The end of the righteous is 
to be with Christ, to be shaped, to be prepared for eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the blessedness that is ours is something that we have now already. Too often people think of, okay, yes, here we have to work on this life. It's a pilgrimage. But one day I'm going to have eternal life. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that, boys and girls? While we are pilgrims already in this life, we've been born again. We are new creatures. We have eternal life now already. That happened with your regeneration. You have new life already, an eternal life, so that even nothing in this world nor death itself can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We have that new life that is going to go beyond the grave when our soul is in heaven and our body is resting in the ground. But then looking further, when Jesus comes again and these bodies are also raised up out of the earth and made perfect, and in the new heavens and the new earth, we reign with Christ Jesus forever and ever. How happy, how blessed is the man that endureth trials. For when he is tried by God, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Lots of people might promise you a lot of things. Will they carry through? Are they able to carry through? A parent might promise to their children, I'm always going to be there to help you. Will they? Maybe dad gets into an accident and dies in the car, and he's not here anymore. He can't carry out that promise. But now let's go to our text. Blessed is the man that endures trials, for when he is tried, that is by God, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath Promise to them that love him. Because our God, our sovereign God, is unchangeable. Therefore, his promise is unchangeable. It will not fail. Isn't that what Jeremy the prophet says in Lamentations? We are not consumed because his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So, child of God, in whatever trials or difficulties the Lord sends upon you, don't become angry, bitter. Don't be filled with self-pity. But rather, count it all joy. Fall on your knees before your God and say, Help me, Lord, give me the grace I need so that even in my trials, the world is going to see I'm different. Because Christ, by his Spirit, dwells within me and enables me to rejoice in the midst of my trials. Think a moment again, boys and girls. Paul and Silas whipped many times with many stripes Jailed, hands 
chained to the wall, legs in shackles, and they are singing in the middle of the night, counted worthy to suffer with Jesus Christ. Their faith strengthened in Christ, looking to him, living for his glory, if that means death eventually, or whether it means being released. I'm not my own. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ, by his spirit and word, shaping us, strengthening us, drawing us closer and closer to him in a genuine faith. Amen. Father in heaven, we're thankful for thy precious word. We confess, O Lord, that so often with our sinful flesh we are tempted to rebel, tempted to resist, tempted to blame God and be angry with God for our trials, many different trials on our pilgrimage. But we pray that by thy grace to take thy word home with us. So whether suffering from cancer or a stroke or many other trials that come in our life, to recognize these are for our good and then to rejoice that we are willing to suffer or able to suffer with Christ Jesus to bear our cross joyfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.